and welcome to episode two of this AFL Life. I'm Alison Smirnoff and I'm joined by my co-hosts Megan McDonald and Julia Kiera. Welcome. Hey Al, thank you, thank you. Um, JC's new segment, uh, No Filter, is such a beauty this week. We're actually going to bring it forward. Uh, Have a listen. Uh, I'm going to start with hashtag not all men. (laughs) Emoji person, emoji revolver. Okay. Um, (laughs) Are you still allowed the emoji revolver? It's green though. No, it's a water pistol. Oh, it's a water pistol because I want to use the bomb all the time and then it's not there. All right. Hashtag not all men. This is aimed directly at uh, male commentators and footy journalists and a couple of women too and to the trolls on social media and to the spectators in the crowds who are very loudly derided and constantly criticised the players their skills and what they seem to think is low scoring in AFLW after just one round. <clears throat> How can <laughs> dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I must have missed it when you were showing up to women's football over the last 5, 10, 100 years. I must have missed it when your male commentators and journalists insisted around your production meetings and to your editors that you wanted to be covering more stories about women's football. And I must have missed it when you insisted on including a substantial story about the women's football grand final in your nightly news coverage. I must have missed it when you put women and girls footy on the agenda at your football clubs and when you insisted that your clubs start a women's team and that it needed to be now and you made sure that your clubs allocated adequate resources and change rooms and you scheduled their trainings and games at a humane time on the good oval i must have missed you there because now when i hear you say that the game is low scoring and quote unquote unattractive and the skills aren't up to it i gather it's because you have a deep-seated disappointment because for decades you were doing all you could to develop the women's game and promote it and open the doors to women and not just the canteen door What I and many others in women's footy have experienced is the door slam repeatedly in our faces and the laughter and derision and the scraping together of leftover resources to keep programs going and provide women and girls with the opportunity to play so when the AFL finally woke up to them, they were ready to go. I cannot believe you have the gall to turn around and question why isn't this game as fast as the men's game? Why aren't the scores as high or the skills as consistently slick? I presume that you think all these women, like their male counterparts, have had 15 years of uninterrupted formal football development from the time they were five years old when their dads, like you, put a footy in their hands, not just your sons, and practiced with them in the park and drove them to Auskick and ran the sausage sizzle. How the hell can you be surprised that the women's game isn't as developed as the men's game? It'll get there, but you have a hundred-year head start. And what infuriates me even more is at no point in this rant can I name names. I cannot take down an individual, even on this little podcast. And why is that? Because footy is still a boys' club. Women's footy is a small world and I can't afford to make enemies. As a woman in footy, I'm outnumbered. And if I want any kind of future in this game, I can't go about making public spats with the people that have all the power and all the influence and are part of the big networking boys club that gives roles and jobs to old friends and teammates. There is a power imbalance and there always has been. And have you been a part of changing it? Have you been a part of trying to dismantle it for the last 5, 10, 100 years? I don't think so. So shut up. That was beautiful. That'll do it. And we're done (laughs) with this week. And that was episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good, Julia. I I just like the more media I consumed and because I'm trying to, we're trying to produce some, I'm trying to consume more of it. And I'm just the, like the sense of frustration was just growing and growing. And I'm, I'm glad you expressed it in a way that I could never, but the more they spoke about the standard, the more I'm going, can someone question why the standard yeah. is the way that it is? Not, there was none of that. It's mm. just – and on that point, well, what were our opinions of the standard? I think that they're talking about two quarters, maybe three quarters of the four games. Uh, the game at Casey was incredible. Oh, 
And yeah. for me, that is a relatively high-scoring game. There was goals scored in every quarter. You didn't feel like it got clogged up. But still, what were the scores in the end? You know, they, they kicked, what, six goals, seven goals? Uh, seven goals, I think. Seven goals. Melbourne kicked seven, I think. And, yeah. But that still felt like a free-flowing, high-scoring game. So people just need to adjust what they think high-scoring is, to be honest. You've got to start with that. And really, I just think we're talking about the second half of the first game. And unfortunately, there was, you know, 20 hours of airtime before the next game. And so it started then, the criticism, and it just kept going through the week. And that game, I mean, yes, it was a little congested. It was low. It was unfortunate that there were no goals in the second half. But there are so many factors causing that to be the case Mm. it's a huge stage and the you know nerves are a part of it and expectation and it's you know you just cut them a little bit of slack well because that's what I was thinking when I was watching the game because round one last year no one expected well the players didn't expect to run out and see that crowd that's exactly right exactly right but this year they knew they were going to run out and see that crowd and they knew it was going to be live on Channel 7 on a Friday night. Yeah, look, I think there would have been a lot of uh, nervous energy, a lot of adrenaline running in those adrenaline running in those girls for a lot longer period than last year. And, you know, there, there were a couple of moments when a, a loose ball went into the 50 and someone came in to run onto it and they didn't pick it up cleanly. And I took that to be about nerves and girls, you know, really wanted to make sure they picked it up. They slowed down too much and they got caught. Whereas the next day you see Rocky Cranston run in on a loose ball and scoop it up and kick a goal. You know, the difference between those two situations, I think is just a little bit of composure, a little bit of confidence to do that. And if that had happened the night before, I don't reckon we would be talking about this. And I wouldn't have seen so many, you know, um, articles about it. Sue Alberti has to come out and say people need to calm down. You know, it's it's kind of uh, making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. And there were moments of great play within that game. Definitely. Oh, I, I I'm, thought yeah. I'm really... I'm pissed off because I want to be talking about Jazzy Garner just nailing, you know, nailing the first goal of the season again. Cool as a cucumber. I want to talk about Taylor Harris throwing herself into marking contests with reckless abandon and stabbing a, a football and it going 50 metres. I mean, the girls' skills have improved. They're stronger. They're fitter. They're kicking further. I am so furious. I'm completely with you, JC. I'm so furious that we're even having this, this discussion. Oh, and one more thing on the standard, though. The girls are allowed to train together as a team from November. That's not that long ago. How you you look at the, the way the standard in the, you look at the way the standard improved from round one last year through to rounds five, six, seven, grand final, huge improvement. And then you then the girls go away and they play in separate teams for eight, nine months, and you've got two months to get it back together again. What what did they think was going to happen? I just I don't know. I think it's a step ahead of last year and it's just going to get better and better week to week. Definitely. And I think some of the worst commentary is coming out of people that don't really care about women's footy until one day before it starts yep. um, and haven't really put a lot of thought in it or haven't compared it to last year. You know, if you think about the last round last year, they were really high-scoring games and the and in the two months leading up to that, that, that's what happened. So a little bit of patience. And really, the other three games were a lot more oh, fluid. I, so someone... just calm down. Yeah, as someone who's looking to hopefully stay in touch with the standard of those girls, I'm looking at that and I think everyone else who's aspiring to be on an AFLW list is looking at that and going, well, the girls are extremely fit, much fitter than last year, and their skills are just going up and up and up. I mean, you look at, we'll get into the games later, but Mads Gay in the first game, like she's clunking one-handers, she's, Mm. yeah, I... Well, let's let's get into the games. Uh, obviously, the game we're talking about. Carlton defeated Collingwood by eight points on Friday night. The attractiveness of the game has been talked talked about a lot. If we just take it back to last last week's no filter, I talked about that game and the no ticketing and possible lockout and so on. And um, Casey, a friend of the podcast and of Change Her Game, uh, wrote during the week that because there's no ticketing and everyone's anxious about getting in the 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 door and getting in the gate, but you don't actually stop on the way in. So there was lots of like 
um, marketing stuff happening out there, competitions, handball, this. But no one was going to it. Everyone was just in that huge snake of a line because you were so anxious about getting in. And it can't, you kind of look at it and go, doesn't this defeat the purpose of, of what this is supposed to be? So once you finally got in, you know, it wasn't a lockout, but it was, it was really full. The atmosphere was great. And that first quarter I thought was really electric. You saw Taylor Harris just really you know, that mark you describe of, you know, throwing herself kind of backwards to take the mark um, and get the goal straight away. She kind of lit up the crowd. Um, The first two shots, straight through. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it was a really exciting night to see Chloe Malloy play, you know, play down back. She got a lot of the ball. She looked really poised, you know, and, and it was kind of remarkable in the sense that she was one of the youngest players out there and excuse me she didn't seem to have those nerves and Mm. and took the game on yeah she had yeah she had so much composure yeah definitely when 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 it was lacking at other times but you know um i think sue alberti said today that she had to you know watch the second half from home because the lighting made it very difficult to see and i've got to agree with that the lights not being in light towers and being so low made it really difficult once once the sun goes down to see across you and i were both kind of holding yep. our records up in front of our eyes um i don't know if that affects the girls on the ground and whether they can mark the ball oh it would have to mm. Charlotte Curtis said, uh, I can't remember where it was, but she spoke over the weekend about how she um, trained with uh, teams there before and because the lights are lower, um, it does affect marking, was her claim. Yeah. I've I've asked players and they said they didn't think it did affect. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know. Well, we're trying to give you a lifeline, players, so just say that it did, all right? All right, all right, all right. Uh, What do we think of Lasso? The lasso rule. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, I, I, I've asked you the question, but I'm going to answer it. It was <laughs> <laughs> Friday night's game was probably the game where I'm You've most... You've already had no filter. Oh, just, <laughs> um, just a monologue. <laughs> um, Friday night's game was really the, the game where I noticed it the most, um, and I noticed it, I guess, in a detrimental fashion in that, you know, Collingwood or Carlton would make a forward lunge. <laughs> they'd finally get, you know, they'd kick it long into their forward line. It would dribble out, you know, beside either point post. And then instead of being rewarded with it with uh, um, a ball up or a, a throw in and a stoppage where they could maybe get a goal, it got given to the opposition for a kick. And that made it look, I don't know, it really, it, I think that contributed to that kind of sloggy, type of feeling that that second half had where it was just kind of going back and forth, getting caught up and, and not getting a goal. Yeah, I think um, talking about voices in the media, um, Shiloh Curtis was on the outer sanctum. I think that's what you're referring to Sorry, when you heard yes, yes, of over course. the weekend. And, and she talked about the, the last touch rule as well in the forward line. And in women's footy, it you know, you do work so hard to get the ball into the forward line and for then balls that drift out to be a free kick out mm. – it just makes it really tough to score when quite often in women's footy you do push it to the boundary to create a stoppage so the ball gets thrown back into the corridor, which is the dangerous part in the forward 50, and you create a goal. Yeah. But it's just getting kicked straight back out. Yeah. I'm just thinking of a particular incident where um, I think it was little Georgia G who had an excellent debut, made a great pressure act tackle, sees, I think, Darcy Vessio leading into the pocket, Goes to kick to her advantage and just cooks it a little too much, and it was such an like it was such an excellent act, and then straight back out. Mm. Yeah, and in those times, you you just think this rule doesn't seem to be achieving its purpose, which is to. Mm. I, I heard know, Craig. What, well, what even is its purpose? To stop stoppages, to stop as much as much congestion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does do that, but it. You can't want more scoring if women's footy you get scoring from stoppages near goal and then take away that opportunity. What I find, what I found really troubling about it was the adjudication of it in the Brisbane um, Adelaide game. Mm. I don't know if either of you two saw that. Kate McCarthy, I think, got a free kick from pointing out that I, oh, I can't remember which player it was. It might have been Sarah Perkins had dribbled the ball with her feet over over the line. So is it a clear possession? Is it mm. literally last touch? It looked more like last touch in that game. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily fair. So Yeah, it can't be just a kick 
kick off the ground. Like it was, it wasn't on the full. Like it basically hit her shin and rolled over the line mm. and it was a free kick against her. I think that's. Yeah, not quite it. And it, look, and language matters. Like all through the week I kept hearing it described as last touch. Mm. And we talked last week about how yep. Lauren Arnell had said it's actually last possession. And I had lots of people asking me, just friends or people at the game, oh, why wasn't that a free kick? Because they had heard last touch and that's how they interpret it, yep. you know, to be instead of last possession. It, it, it was confusing um, and I – yeah, I think there are times when it really works against the girls. Women, sorry. Mm, Craig Stasevich spoke <laughs> about it and he said that if the girls don't execute that kick properly, they'll have to answer to me before they answer to the umpires. So I <laughs> thought that was an interesting take on it because it in- obviously encourages that's that skill, but a uh, harsh transition. And, you know, you do hear that feedback that uh, much like the standard, give it time and the players will adjust. Mm. Um and things will improve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see how much adjustment happens between round one and two. But if it's still making scoring difficult, I think they should reconsider it mm. and maybe just between the 50 arcs, make it through the middle of the ground, allow yeah. this, the the throw-ins in the in the 50s. Mm. Yeah. So that rule was one thing that contributed to the, I suppose, aesthetic of Friday night's <laughs> game. <laughs> Uh, and then you're hearing mm. things about um, coaches getting called into AFL House or memos getting sent out that says you can't be playing two p- players behind the ball. Opinions? Mm. Are you asking coaches to um, do their best to win the game? What? Like, isn't that their job? They're trying to win the game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I don't know how much of it's been, like, blown out of proportion. Mm. I think rolling, you know, communication between the league and the team's is useful and, and helps the game to evolve and to grow. But if the AFL, in fact, are dictating how many players are behind the ball mm. and how many players are left, and bring in a density rule. Mm. If it's that much of an issue, don't be... Oh, I don't know about bringing in density. No, and look, I'm, I'm not for tinkering with the game anymore, but I don't think... I think they're overstepping the mark a bit if they're mm. telling coaches how to coach and how to win games because... Oh, I agree. It should you, be in the rules. They yeah. play within the rules that the yeah. league sets out. That's exactly right. The thing that I think has been overlooked is that I'm not sure that you'd go to either coach from Friday night and say, do you think that was an excellent way to – do you think you executed your game plan really well? I don't think they're going to say yes. Mm. It didn't particularly work for either side mm. that it was played the way that it was and there were extras in defence because no one was really breaking the lines getting great penetration inside 50 and hitting up the forwards, I'm sure, the way they would like to. So, you know, I think each team will review the way they went and, you know, and yeah. improve. It's not like they're going, you beauty, we only kick five goals. Yeah. <laughs> I, it look, the, the, game, the game was a slog. Like some games yeah. are a slog. Exactly. <laughs> like, it happens. And when it's a slog and you're only a goal in front and it's round one and you want to win, yes. You put, you're going to put people on the ball. I know. I know. <laughs> you want to save the game. Yeah. That's probably enough on the first match of the round. <laughs> All right. Well, on Saturday afternoon, there was probably, in my opinion, the match of the round in Melbourne versus um, GWS. And we said last week that we thought that um, early predictions that GWS were going to be the wooden spooners were perhaps... Uh, are you patting us on the back? No, I just think that... Yes, well, look, Meg... We don't often get things right, so when we do, oh, okay. I'm going to acknowledge we that. We really need to talk it up. <laughs> no, but um, we had said that we thought DWS had recruited well, new coach, and that they were going to be better than people thought. And look, they looked good that game. They really did. They took it up to Melbourne. But having said that GWS looked good, I think that Melbourne looked um, oh, like they're not even at 100% yet. And look how they managed to play. Well, if Paxi had to stay on the ground, she mm. was lighting things up. So oh, who knows? She was fair dinkum on track for forty possessions. I oh, know. Mm. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it because I didn't. I didn't watch it in real time, and I just heard. Oh, you know, Paxi went off at the end of the first quarter, and she racked up a bunch of possessions. And then I watched it, and I was like, 
does she just have the ball in her hand the whole time? That first bounce, the first she clearance, bur- the amazing. first clearance yep. is amazing. She bursts through, and then kicks a really pinch- yep. Yep. penetrating kick into the forward line, and then is front and center to get the hands, and yeah. then she gets you know another and she- kick, and then another mark. And you're like, oh. No wonder who, you know, back just was like, no, nah, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. It's too much too soon. No, Paxi, we hope you're doing well. That first um, tap, Erin Hoare, who has mm. um, been the elevated rookie, she was she played very, very well. Yeah, she did. It was the battle of the Erins in, in the ruck there. Yeah. And they kind of came out even Stevens. Like Erin Hoare got 22 hit outs to, to 21 from Erin McKinnon. And Erin Hoare did not look out of place at all. It not really all. didn't look like her first game. Um, of, of AFLW, and it, it, it freed up Loz Pierce to be used around the ground as well. I think we really saw where the game, back to speaking about standard, is going to improve or has improved in the, the ground balls, how clean girls are below their knees. Because yep. Rocky breaks oh. through one, just the Shell most Scott. lit thing I've seen. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was, whoa. She did it twice. She did it twice. And speaking of doing it twice, Daisy's ability to take a contested mark and stay composed and hit up a target. So, the old ground balls and above the head balls, mm. um, the, you know, once that just – or as that continues to improve, the game's just going to yeah, go up and up and up. Shelly Scott kicked two oh. left foot snaps at goal. She She's a remarkable player. She's so good. Player. She's my girl. She's my girl. <laughs> she's my girl. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't play – Last year against GWS, and I reckon that really hurt Melbourne. Yeah. Look, I think Melbourne look incredibly dangerous in terms of their ability to um, move the ball really quickly, win the ball, win the ball in the middle of the ground, get it very quickly into um, their forward line. And then they've got, before, you know, they've got Rocky, who's just kind of was a revelation in that game. And they've got Cat Phillips, and they've got Alicia Newman, who I thought just really oh. showed. Oh, she just does a lot of things. She did a lot of things in that game where I'm like, "You're really gonna be quite amazing." Some of them didn't come off, but you could see what what might have happened if she'd got onto it. Then they've got Kate Hoare and Rocky Cranston, Phillips, Newman, Hoare, and Cranston, fast forwards who can just get in there and quick kick those goals. Like they're quite formidable and. Alyssa Mifsud and Eden Zanker actually not, <laughs> not even being able to make it into the team. Mm. But I think the the new players in at, at Melbourne really slotted in well. I thought Tegan Cunningham um, presented really well. She looks very um, calm around the footy. She manages to get a goal. We already mentioned Erin Hall and, um, you know, Bianca Jacobson across half back I thought looked just really, yeah, calm and composed. I, I feel like Melbourne's team looks very even and 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 there's a lot of contribution from everyone there and it, it did make me think watching rocky play um and you know there's a lot of talk about the kind of distribution of players in terms of who's elite you know how many elite players are and um you know lots of people in the middle band and and so on and and it just made me it look, made me look at her and go well just give them time and more of these girls are going to become elite you know look what she's managed to do in 12 months and give these girls more time and that big band at the top that small band at the top is going to become a lot bigger well you referenced Alicia Newman as well I mean look at the improvement she's she's mm. made in 12 months yeah definitely yeah. but just talking about GWS we may have run into a Melbourne player later in the round who mentioned that she felt that GWS's midfield was really good um you know they've got Alicia Eva there um who just brings so much experience really good on both sides a great kind of teacher uh, on the ground, Courtney Gum, mm. you know, just got so much of the ball. I think she set up a lot of play. Um, Tully and, you know, Jess Delpos had acquired a game and the fact that they managed to um, push Melbourne so far with their best and fairest from last year having a quiet game, I think speaks to how far they've come. It was great to see Renee Forth back as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, look, Phoebe McWilliams... Peeps. Friend, friend of the podcast. Go back to season one and listen to it. it that's actually probably one of my favourite interviews. <laughs> um, look, she just looks. She was their best forward last year, and she looks like she's doubled up this year. That yes. weird little snap goal when, oh, oh that's and Corey Staunton. Staunton. 
Oh, that one was crazy. Irish. She's crazy. Fun little tidbit. I reckon Cora Staunton and Daisy Pierce played each other in the 2006 International Series. Get out. Really? I'm pretty certain. Someone can fact check for us, but the maybe that player you ran into later in the <laughs> <round>. <laughs> Maybe she can't. She won't remember. <laughs> but anyone else who listens who might have been on that international series that went to Ireland too and maybe they got flo- Australia got flogged. But I reckon they've played each other before and then meet again 11 years later. Wow. But Coruscant, she didn't, you know, she's got a bit of a funny kicking action, but, God, she gets the ball and she goes and she got a goal and she set stuff up. Yeah, I think um, Jacinda um, Barclay, mm. she chimes in with a couple of goals and just like she, her tackling is crazy in a good way. <laughs> I went out to Casey and I had a little bit of a chat to Rocky after the game. Here she is. Okay, so I'm in the Melbourne rooms with Rocky Cranston. How are you going? Not too bad. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels pretty good. Hard-fought win. GWS really came out strong there and I think they're improved a lot, so um, really good to get the win. So, three goals? Yeah, I think three, yep. <laughs> feel good to get on the scoreboard? Yeah, it was nice. Um, I don't really care who gets them as long as we're getting them, so, but yeah, good to get the sealer, so it's just lucky we hang on. It looked like um, GWS were really crowding your forward entries. How did you kind of uh, they, work your way through that? I think we um, spread them pretty good. Um, our forward line's quite fit. I think most of our team is really fit. That's probably one something we've got um, but yeah, GWS just got numbers to the footy and that was really hard to beat at times, so um, credit to them, but I think we held on, so that was good. Um, so I want to ask you about those one-handed pickups. You've been working on those ground balls at training? <laughs> yeah, that is a big focus at Melbourne. It's um, one metre wall, protective body pickups. We practice it every session, so it paid off a bit. Unfortunately, I kicked it straight to the man on the mark, but that's all right. <laughs> work on that bit. We'll work on kicking later. Um, talk to me a little bit about... Um, your forward line teammates, um, Tegan Cunningham, really seems to work herself into the game. Yeah, uh, she's really good to have one-on-one down there. She doesn't get beaten very often and she's got great hands. And if she doesn't win it, she brings it to the ground for us to mop up. So, yeah, credit to her. She's worked really hard and done a great job. And Shelley Scott actually missed the GWS game last year. Yeah, she's the difference. difference. <laughs> we definitely missed her last year. She's one of our team devotion sort of player, does everything for the team. Works really hard and, um, yeah, so we definitely missed her last year. So, yeah, looks like she's the difference. <laughs> now, you've also worked really hard through the, well, the A4W off-season but through the VFL season, um, getting your fitness up. Have you, did you feel that it came to fruition today? Um, yeah, look, I did feel a lot better. I still feel, felt cooked. <laughs> but um, I felt like I lasted the game a bit better and made more of an impact. So, hopefully it keeps up that way. Yeah. All right, so thanks for chatting. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> The next game was the grand final rematch. Brisbane defeated the reigning premiers by two goals. What did we make of that one? Well, that was a good game. I think um, Brisbane, you know, like last year, came in underrated, even though they, you know, were undefeated until the grand final last year. Um Oh, Sabrina Frederick Torob. Oh, oh she is. <laughs> I love her. Um, she took ten marks, seven contested. If she'd kicked those three goals, you know, it might have been the best game. The best game we'd seen from an individual ever. Um, ever, you know, <laughs> ever in AFLW. Um, Brisbane, look, you got to take your chances, and they did. They kicked four six. It could have been, you know, could have been a bigger margin. And Adelaide just looked didn't look in the contest until that one quarter when they. When they strung it together. But like last season, they're just even across the board, mm. Brisbane. They just have even contributions. Yeah. I think 16 aside, the seems to play to their strengths. They've got some excellent runners. Exxon didn't play, but yeah. um, Cashy looks great at 16 mm. aside. Um, mm. Obviously, you've got Kate McCarthy, but I'm all about the Sabs. That was just... Woo! Like Daisy in, you know, in the Melbourne game. Contested marks. So how many, how many marks did you take total? Ten. Ten and seven were contested. Seven, ridiculous. So, start from the prospectus last year. AFLW percentage of marks contested sixteen point four percent. So, seven out of ten would be seventy percent. Yes, I'm more of an English person, but I managed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it makes all the difference. Told him by standing up. I had no idea how. Well, I was talking about how young she was. I didn't even realize. 
A fresh, fresh twenty-one-year-old. Yeah, I know. It's it, that, yeah, that's, that's frightening. frightening. Oh, yeah. so good. But exciting for Brisbane in that you know their highest possession getter was Jamie Stanton. You know, Pipping, Zilkey, and Bates. Um, so you're right. They are very even. Um, they have different. Well, last year they had kind of different contributors every every week stepping up. I think um, Frederick Traub. <laughs> I think it works well for her to be the that that sole tall target down mm. there. That is what I was going to say. Mm. It looks the contested marks from Taylor and Sabs mm. on separate teams. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, because yeah. they maybe ran into each other a few times yeah. last season. Oh, and shout out to Lee Kasler. She did an excellent uh, job. Yeah, I was going to talk about Lee Kasler. Our well, actually, I won't claim it. Your favourite Sam Virgo obviously isn't there, <laughs> but I, I think they're. Um, Backline just worked so well together. Kasler was a blanket on Perko, like absolutely mm. was just took her out of the game. Some, she got a lot. Took, of, she got help yeah. from is it Lutkins? Lutkins, yeah. yeah. Um, but just just closed her down mm. at every opportunity, and they just worked so well together. Yeah, definitely. And Adelaide just weren't getting enough of the ball. Like if you look at their stats, there's there's so many girls who are getting under. You know, seven disposals, which really takes them out of the game. I think Chelsea Randall battled all day, but she yep. didn't have that team That's, around yeah. her. You know, they really missed Aaron Phillips, but I think they missed Courtney Cramie as well. There yeah. were times oh, where yeah. you could tell that they were kind of waiting for some for someone to to fly in, or they just needed more organisation or, or something. Um, you know, they were trying to bring that ball through the middle, but Brisbane just clogged up the middle and didn't let them do it. And, and without Aaron Phillips to come in and, and take a big mark or without someone to come in and really break the lines, it, they just weren't getting it down there and weren't giving their forwards much opportunity. But they have uncovered some really exciting players. Ruth Wallace is... Yeah. A jet. Yes. And yeah, I'm not is. going to refer to her as the female Eddie Betts because Eddie Betts didn't play A-League soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth Wallace is um, a former W-League soccer player. Um, and Meg, you, you off air were talking about Eloise Jones. Yeah, I thought she looked great. Well, her goal was um, really just, I think it showed pace. She was really clean from the pocket. Laws Arnell on the commentary pointed her out and said what a talent she was. I think she said she'd be disappointed with her first possession and then really that, that goal just showed some serious talent. That brings us to the last game of the round Sunday at a very sunny and warm <laughs> Witten Oval. The Bulldogs defeated Frio by 26 points. Welcome back, Katie Brennan. Katie Brennan oh. show. And you know what was lovely was that we were standing with a group of um, uh, VFL and AFL players of different teams and when she kicked those first uh, two girl goals in the first quarter, I think, were they both mm-hmm. in the first yeah, quarter, they were. Yeah. the genuine thrill that um, those supporters had for Katie was really indicative of I guess the camaraderie in women's footy that even though they might have to face her in a few weeks, they were so happy that she was back and she just looks as sharp as ever. That goal from the boundary. Um, oh, that's just so hard. That's just so hard. It's ridiculous. And, and when she took the mark and turned back, you know, in my mind, I'm like, center it. <laughs> <laughs> center it. But I should know better because she just knew exactly what to do. And even that, that first goal, uh, to me, I thought she was too far out, but Same. she got the distance into the wind. I don't know what, um, you know, what she's doing, but <laughs> to to get um, those kicks, those kicks going, and and at such a good distance, it was so good to see her out there. Yeah, and I um, spoke. I think we spoke last week about how um, the word coming out of the Bulldogs was that they were changing game plan, and that's all very well and good to say that that's what you're going to do. But they sure has they sure did it. Um, they kicked the ball a lot. They hit a lot of targets. They were willing to switch it out of defence. I just thought it looked really excellent. They lowered their eyes. For Katie to get that first goal, Em's got the ball. I think she was about 60 metres out. She goes to wind up like she's going to bomb it in long. Just pulls it at the last second, hits Katie at, you know, 40 metres out, goal. And I just think that was indicative of um, how they played all day. They just really backed themselves in. You know, you play as... Paul Grove said in the post-match, you play as you train, trained handball, handball, handball last year. They've trained kick, kick, kick this year. Mm. And um, it really, I think, ended the round on a really good note for them and for the standard of the women's game. Yeah, and even I, I was kind of curious because watching it, you know, they were just 
kicking well by foot and using that to their advantage. And for the corresponding game last year, they kicked, uh, they had 111 kicks to 80 handballs. Whereas this year, they had 150 kicks to 50 handballs. So 100 more kicks than handballs. And it just looks so much better. Having said that, I think Frio uh, looked a bit lost, to be honest. For, for three of those quarters, they looked a bit lost. So I think that, um, you know, we'll see this week they've got to travel up to Brisbane. So I think that they'll have a much harder opposition to see whether they can get that game style going. Um, but look, it definitely, it, it looked like the Bulldogs I, I wanted to see last year. Confident, um, seeing their, their stars shine, you know, that, that um, turn and go goal from Blackburn oh, is yeah. just a beautiful piece of play. And a lot of a lot of their players did, did some really good things. Shout out to Asta. She was oh. upset that she didn't get a mention on last week's and podcast. You know she gave I us that said, feedback. I said to her, kick a goal and we'll talk oh, about I said you. The same thing. And what happened? <laughs> I was up and about. <laughs> oh, that was great, wasn't it? You know, from forty five out, sales through welcome back star. Oh. And as someone who's been told to give the hands before, like <laughs> well done to Emma Carney, who listened at the appropriate time. Gave the hands and you, the joy you could see between them when that when that happened, um, when she kicked the sealer, that was it was awesome. We also saw the debut of um, Isabel Huntington and Monique Conti, and I think they slotted right in. Conti got fourteen disposals, and, and uh, Huntington only had eight. But whenever she had the ball, she looked composed. She looked like she um, had time. She was trying to get onto her preferred left foot to and. Yeah, I think she looked really exciting. There's, there's great a one, hands. Yeah, great hands. There's one point where she's kind of getting tackled, but she stands up, she holds on, she gets the hands out before she gets pulled down, and she looks like an older player. Yeah. Um, she looks more composed. So, you know, I think that that's some really good signs for those girls. That one you're speaking of was a, she handballed, and um, I can't remember who it was too, but they they slotted it from there. And there was one she actually hit the the deck, like her her bum hit the ground, and then she stood up in a tackle. It was yeah. Pretty impressive. And I just, it was so good to see Witten with that weather. The crowd was great mm. and the was footy great was crowd. great. Yeah. So hopefully that just, yeah. you know. Um, what are our thoughts on fireworks during the day? Well, I bought a two year old and um, he didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, look, to be honest, it's very loud at um, Wittenoval in terms of what's coming out of the speakers, the music, the fireworks, and so I've learnt my lesson. The road. I'm not, I'm not the road, the hill. Um, so I'm not bringing Tobes again because he pretty much hid behind the food trucks in a box. So not lying. <laughs> check Facebook. Uh, check <laughs> Instagram. But um, Fremantle, you know, what, yeah. do we, what do we say? I think coming into the season we, we thought they had an uphill battle. Um, but you know they didn't score in the first half, and they didn't look like they were going to score. And there were there were often times where you know they'd put a lot of players back. Um, there's two Bulldogs girls on four or five Frio players, and the only players moving are the Bulldogs girls, and they get the ball, and it and it didn't look good. Um, I think they must have had a, a fire lit under them or <laughs> at halftime, and they came out at. at after halftime, looking a bit more organised, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how they're going to match it uh, with good teams this year. I just hope that they get some of their top liners back. Mm. I mean, to still be missing Bowers, obviously Kirby Bentley's out for the year, but um, Kelly Gibson, just kind of missing a bit of bite yeah. around the footy. Definitely. And they won't need any extra motivation next week to get up and about because oh. um, it's going to be huge. So Massive. It's just about a sellout, isn't it? What is capacity? 60, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I also had a chance to have a little chat to Izzy Huntington after the game. She's one of my faves. Um, he's Izzy. Now, you've just come in, you've sung the song, you've seen your family. How's it feel to play your first AFL game? <laughs> Incredible. Um, I don't really have words to describe it. Uh, to have the team win and just... Uh, have a, such a great performance from the dogs and a great crowd down at Wynn. It's just incredible and I want to repeat the moment forever. <laughs> have you played in front of a crowd like that before? Oh, never that big. Um, probably, you know, a few thousand down at the Ballarat practice match, but to have, I think it was eight and a half thousand down there and such a great presence from the Bulldog supporters was just amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's been your first game for a while. How, how, yeah. did, you, how did you find the pace today? 
Oh, obviously, um, much faster pace than anything I've played before, and it's just a testament to the skills of all of the players out in the field and the AFLW in general. So, um, very different and very different coming back after having 17 months off. So, uh, for me, it was just great to be able to get back on the park and get through my first game and have a few touches and get the win, most importantly. They really kind of came back at you in the third quarter. What was that message at three-quarter time? Yeah, just um, I know we, we had a bit of a lead at halftime, but we and they they played really well in the third quarter. They played well all game and came hard all game, but um, we just couldn't drop off. You can't take a lead and just uh, roll with it. You've got to keep going until the end and really fight fight for that forward uh, pressure and, and whatnot. But I think we just tackled really well in the throughout the whole game, particularly in the last quarter to hold on and just uh, had a nice few goals from Master O'Connor and whatnot. But uh, yeah, long bomb, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was awesome. But that finished us off well. And just. Just a quick word about your skipper. Like she obviously was sensational today. Yeah. Um, but what's she like on the training track? Like, how much have you learnt from her in the, in the last couple of months? She's just elite. Um, you can learn so much off her, and just every single thing she does in terms of recovery and nutrition is just such a high standard and really amazing to, to learn from and have someone like that as a role model at the club for a lot of the young girls coming through. I think we had we have twelve new players at the club, so to have leaders like her and Ellie and Scotty. And Nikki Cal is just incredible and something that hopefully we can, um, you know, reflect off them and build into the future. And uh, big game next week? Yeah, yeah, big game. So we'll travel up to Brisbane and, and take them off. They're coming off a win as well. So I think it'd be a really tough contest. And um, they're a great side, obviously, in the grand final last year. So we'll um, have to respect them and, and really focus on our structures and game plan and make sure our bodies are all good to go and replicate the performance out here today. Well, congratulations. Great to see you out there. Thanks, Izzy. Sal. Last week we we came up with the Bechdel slash Underwood test. The Underwood test. Underwood test for AFLW media coverage. <laughs> yeah. How do you think we're travelling after round one? Well, you guys sent me a, a little clip today of a complete sausage fest on AM radio debating uh, AFLW and I just thought this does not meet criteria one, I think, of the Underwood test. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, just going through some of the headlines on a on a uh, AM radio station's website, an ex-coach slammed AFLW coaches for its de- defensive tactics. Uh, an ex-premiership player thinks the game is being overcoached. Another ex-player on his show with another ex-player and a male journalist thinks that the AFL should just stay out of it. And another ex-player reckons the AFL should make an example of Sarah Darcy. Haven't they? They've well, given her two weeks. Exactly. And you're making her an example in the court of public opinion. But so how much more do you want? Also on the weekend, Tiffany Cherry, who is an ex-host of the women's footy show, hit out at Croc Media for um, replacing her with a man. And this is no disrespect to Clint Stanaway, but she, she referenced that you know sports media needs diversity. And all those headlines I just read out, they're all men. And like you said in your no filter segment, I haven't seen them in women's footy circles over the last five years. Where are the women's voices? Where's Eliza Sewell? Where's Shiloh Curtis? Where are, where are we? <laughs> We're on an independent little podcast. There are so many knowledgeable women about women's footy that have done the hard yards, that know the game inside out. And again, using Clint as an example, I can't speak for him. I can't. Look, I don't know that his career aspiration is to host a women's footy show, mm. and yet he's been given an opportunity. Where there's plenty of uh, <laughs> female commentators out there that I'm sure it would be. Exactly. Yeah, look, it was um, reading Tiff Cherry's article, you know, she she says that it's not about sour grapes for her, she cops it on the chin, but it, it's about the broader picture of you, you make the decision to replace someone on on, on a women's women's footy, women oh, can't, still can't do it woman's <laughs> women's footy show and 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 that's the choice you make I, I don't understand it I, I don't know I I don't know if they think that this game needs a, a male translation for the AFL uh, audience or something it's disappointing um, and I think it only reduces the audience not increases it yeah i i feel for tiff Tiff was my player sponsor actually at the western bulldog so thank you tiff um i think you know the best thing is that we're willing to be critical and think about the kind of media we are consuming on subject of women's sport and like in your no filter we're talking about whether um 
like how do we voice negative opinions? How should we voice negative opinions? Some of the things that I find disappointing, talking about the AM radio that we were listening to, is questions are always posed about AFLW and it's like it's worth. Is mm. AFLW yeah. exhibition? Is it a legitimate? Is it a legitimate competition? It's like shut up. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is legitimate. You have no idea what it means to everyone involved. Yeah, and mm. to and women, it's a captive audience. There oh. is a captive audience just because you aren't part of it because it doesn't live up to whatever your expectation is. Doesn't mean that there isn't an incredibly enthusiastic audience. They Absolutely, AFLW fans are rabid. They <laughs> absolutely are the most hardcore footy fans I've come across. Mm, yeah, definitely. So some of the commentary going back uh, sort of against what Tiff was saying was that, yes, does it have to be a woman speaking about women's sport? Does it have to be a female coach, coach coaching women? Now, in isolation, no, it doesn't. But it's not in isolation. It's like all else being equal, we'll choose the best person for the job. But all else isn't equal. Exactly. You know, like that's that's the thing that really gets me. And I'm I'm like, oh, I really related to what Tiff had to say about how she would look at the television screen and she wanted to just the way, you know, you can't beat if you can't see. That's a lot of that dialogue in season one. Now we see players on TV. Yes, there are aspiring sports journalists out there as well. Um, so I do think it's important that, as you both said, we get the women's voices out there. So, And I just want the host, I just want the host to really care about it and really be well informed. There are plenty of men who are. Yeah, but no, I, definitely. Yeah. And when you talk about, you know, we don't need, you know, about do we need all female coaches? Definitely not. But, you know, in the men's game, they're all male coaches. So what does that say? But, you know, uh, one of the... Um, Assistant coaches at Collingwood is reported in the media uh, uh, describing the team and their performance on uh, Friday night saying that we were garbage. And I just don't know if any thought has been put into how females, stereotypically females, hear that and whether it's yeah it's a good way to do things. And, and, and I don't know if I would necessarily hear a female coach come out and use those types of words about their team that they're trying to encourage to play better. Speaking of the importance of language and, again, not wanting to single people out but feeling the need to have to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a little video on the AFL website called AFLW Rap. Uh, hosted by Nat Edwards, who plays footy herself. She's great. She's She knows the game. Yeah, Nat. Go, hey, Nat. Nat. Her co-host on the AFLW Rap is a journalist, I assume, for AFL Media. His name's Mark McGowan. This was his, his uh, assessment of Taylor Harris. She made her mark. Absolutely. Plenty of proof coming across. Made the big call to come over. Um, going into last season was that marquee player. Good looking, tall, blonde hair, great kicking style. All the attention was on her and she backed it up. Oh, God. Do we need to, like, how? How is this happening? I, I, I don't know. Like, do we need to really break it down to basics that a footballer's ability has nothing to do with their looks or the colour of their hair. No, but I think this just feeds into this whole attractiveness of the game. Of the game. It's not just the game and the play and the play needs to be uh, exciting at every moment, but the girls need to have an attractiveness to them too because we want to be watching them because it's uh, it's gross. It's absolutely gross. gross. It it, it doesn't um, take into account um, effort and it doesn't take into account that there is actually an enjoyable tension and suspense in games when they're not high scoring and when they are a slog. It, it, it's like it's goals or nothing. Um, it's attractiveness, physical attractiveness or nothing. And to me, it just kind of replicates the, the worst parts of macho culture in trying to Cli- over... Climax or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> climax or nothing. Foreplay, what? Um <laughs> You know, that, that that's what it is. I, I, I don't know what to say to that. I'm sorry, straight girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough out there. Yeah. I just like, it kills me because he, he didn't, like, he's not even realising he's saying it. No, and I'm, I'm assuming that this, is be, this has been pre-recorded and, and uploaded to the AFL website. Yeah, they had an opportunity to edit, edit it out. 
they had an opportunity to educate him and say this is an example of not of what not to say and then it not going to air but it did and it's out there for everyone to consume and teenage girls that are going and watching everything they can about AFLW are hearing that and it's like oh well if I want to play like Taylor Harris I have to be good looking and tall and blonde I don't think we we're not sitting here saying that we don't understand that the game has to be marketable and that certain players are marketable for certain reasons but not when you're talking about the significance of a trade and how that trade has affected a team's performance. We got in a pretty girl, so there's a lot of pressure on her. That's, she's that's so the, pretty. She's so pretty. That's the implication. That's the implication of what he said. There's so much pressure on this podcast. <laughs> it, really, like... it, really hurt, <laughs> it really hurts Brisbane's feelings that they've lost one of their best-looking players. <laughs> Shut up! We've been angry tonight, so I think we need a bit of levity. <laughs> Meg Mac. Well, you don't know the questions, so oh. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> this is Meg Mac. Oh yeah, that's me. With Would You Rather? All right, so everybody, Would You Rather? We've had some praise of the segment, some criticism of it. I don't give a <laughs> f. We're going to keep it on here. Drum roll. Would you rather an AFLW Premiership? Let's just say the inaugural AFLW Premiership, or a second season round one win. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, are we referencing a little uh, photo that was taken after the game with the Brisbane team making a little kiss on the finger? A kiss on the finger? A kiss or a on the finger? I'm not sure what it was. I really tried to keep a lid on that question, <laughs> but I couldn't. Um, probably take, yeah, probably take the premiership. Probably. Yeah, I would take the premiership too. Yeah, look, a round one win is great. Get your season up and going, but premiership. Yeah, it was a bad look and... and was it spare of the moment? Was it planned? I'm not sure. And it's unfortunate. There's a hundred photos of it now. And yeah. whether it was just a funny little joke, it now kind of looks yeah. like. Can't a... put the genie back in the no, bottle No, you now. can't. Also, the coach um, the coach has spoken, Craig Sasevich, and he said that actually they were prompted by the photographer um, and he did not approve of the shushing mm. of the crowd, of the hype, whatever it was that they were shushing. So I would agree with him on that. It's unfortunate. Like if it was the photographer, a little bit of girls we're not going to do that would be great. Um, but the Bulldogs play Brisbane next week, and if Emma Carney doesn't give them a shush and, st- and stick it to them, I will be shocked. <laughs> All right. Um, question two. We're talking three goal hauls. There were three of them on the weekend. We're going to go with the two from teams that won. Would you rather Rocky Cranston's three goals, or Katie Brennan's three goals? Oh. That is a good question. Think on these few things. I think there's an element of sort of redemption or sort of rising from whatever in both of them. Mm. Rocky's round one last year, not mm. dissimilar to Sarah Darcy. She was suspended. It wasn't a great show show for her. She's come back. She's fitter. She's leaner. Has this hard work. She wins. Like they would not have win the, won the game without what she did, I don't think. The display of skill is insane. Katie Brennan has been out injured, steps up the like the – difficulty of her goals I think was really significant but in the context of well no who's to say in the context of the game how important those goals were I'm sure they set the standard um anyway have you thought go go for it that's very difficult because I do think Rocky's goals were match winners so you'd love to be a match winner but uh, KB's I think and and also that that um the goal she kicks in the second quarter second quarter yeah that where she snaps it, but it, she snaps it from very far out. Oh, on the run. Um, it's Gather, a beautiful goal. Snap. And just the way that it kind of really excited the AFLW Bulldogs supporters who have had a tough year. You know, I think the Melbourne AFLW supporters, you know, had had a pretty good year last year and enjoyed success and, and they're probably thinking they've got a lot of, you know, that they, oh, I don't want to jinx them, but, you know, that, that this year might be a good year. It's looking good. Um. But for the Bulldogs to finally see their captain back out there and kick those types of goals, like everyone loves a great centre half forward. Yeah, you know? true. And Especially as a blonde one, <laughs> tall, good looking. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually changing my opinion on the spot here. I was going to go with Rocky, but you saying that, and actually the the absorption of the pressure mm. on those to have a set shot and nail those set shots, mm. just woo. Yeah, but for match winner. Yeah, match winner. I'm not. I'm. It's up to you guys. Uh, I'm so torn because, like you say, degree of difficulty 
Katie's goals. Uh, but the oh god, the pick up and the tackle shrug and the Rocky, oh, so good. Rocky, like actually, and also seeing it live, like she is so quick and strong. I heard a rumor from a teammate of hers that she um, squats 160 kilos. 160 kilos. Power. Jeez. So I'll go Rocky. Shout out to Phoebe McWilliams. Her three goals featured just a ridiculous check side bounce, <laughs> whatever was going on there. Um, question number three. Would you rather be a part of an AFLW team or a part of an <laughs> AFLW team? The grammar police is right. Uh, is that even grammar or just basic English? Oh, wow. <laughs> I hate, I hate, well, I've tried to change my opinion on being a grammar police because it's all about communication and getting your point across. And if you don't have an apostrophe, but we know what you're talking about, it's fine. But on this occasion, it changes the meaning of your sentence. And as someone who has been a part from an AFLW <laughs> club recently, let me tell you which one you rather. You'd rather A, space, part. Mm. Yes. Or can I go option three and just be part? Just part. <laughs> remove the A. Sorry, that wasn't a real question. I just really no, look, I think that wanted to get it out there. At um, trade time, draft time, you really see a lot of a part yes. of parts. Uh, and it really stands out to you that I'm going to maybe say, maybe it's a few autocorrects. I'm not sure. But yeah, being a part involved from someone participating is yeah. sadness, not... You joy, know, celebration, joy. I just can't, family. I'm just so happy to be a part of this team. No, that's not. You don't. You are welcome, like Instagram. <laughs> I expect everyone to have listened to this podcast and I will never see it again. Okay, final question. We're going with four today, keeping it sharp. Um, cross, cross coders are all the rage. A couple of them had some blinders on the weekend. Who would you rather see play AFLW? Sam Serena Kerr. Williams. I knew if I put Sam Kerr in there. <laughs> Oh, the other girl wouldn't get a look in. So we're going with Serena Williams or Liz Cambage. Cambage. Ooh. What a question. Again. Again. I'd love to see both of them, but I'll just be different. I'll go Serena. I feel Justify? Like this, I feel like this was a trick question to see whether we thought tennis players made good footballers. <laughs> Who would have a vested interest in that question? <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why do I need to justify it? It's Serena. Great. Where's she playing? In Center the, half forward? In, in the, wherever in she the middle. In the middle. Right? She's Serena. In the wherever she wants. Room. Okay. Where, yeah. I just want to see both of their faces when a free kick goes against them. They <laughs> give away a 50 meter. Could you imagine the stare? Or they kick a great goal. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Just They just steely walk back to their position. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we go, Serena. Sorry, Liz. No, I've gone Cambage. Oh, you've gone, why is that? Is because she playing in the ruck or is she just standing right about 15 metres out Because I think the basketball to football transition has been proven by lots of players. And I don't know. I just think she'd be real, really good at it. Okay. Um, that's it for Would You Rather. Um, hopefully the weekend produces some more um, conundrums. Round two. So GWS play Carlton on Friday night at Dremoin Oval in Sydney. Now, I have an interesting stat. Go right ahead. GWS have never lost a game in Sydney and Carlton have never won a game away from Icon Park. Really? Wow. GWS lost to the Bulldogs in Canberra. Yeah, that's a technicality. Drew their games in Sydney and won one as well. Well, I think the different ground, different, different ground, ground, but but ahead. I think look, Same I think city. the Carlton stat is much more damning. <laughs> yeah, Let's just wow. put that out there. Yeah, okay. I'll be bringing that up with a few people. Look, no, I won't. Uh, when does <laughs> when, when do you put this out, Al? I, I just don't want any friends at Carlton to to listen to this before the game. But I really think no, I really think that GWS have got this. I really do. I was really impressed by them, and I think Carlton, um, you know, lack a lacked a bit of uh, get up and go on I, Friday. I really, part of me is with you and then I think there's so much upside to Carlton's performance on Friday yes. night. Their stars from last year can, if they turn it on again, it all comes together. But the hard midfield of GWS, which we saw take it to the what everyone claims to be the best midfield in the comp in Melbourne, is going to cause a few issues mm. for, for Carlton, I reckon. Maybe they throw Brie in there and she just tears it up. I don't know. Yeah. Well, just release Brie. Release the Brie. <laughs> Hashtag free Brie. Free Brie. And you did <laughs> say that no one... I'll be going up there Meg. to have a look. Sorry, probably won't get a post-game interview, but I'm going to report back. 
Uh, the second game is Melbourne v Adelaide on Saturday at Casey Fields at 5 o'clock. So I heard today that so neither Aaron Phillips nor Courtney Kramer will be back for this match. Yeah, is I that right? I think there's still a bit of a cloud over Aaron Phillips and I think still a bit of a cloud over Paxi. What do we think? I just think Melbourne was super impressive last week and um, Adelaide were not too, so I'm going with that. I'm also going with Melbourne. I thought we didn't tip. Yeah, I was going to just say we didn't tip. Well, why have you led me down this road of <laughs> tipping? Uh, Saturday night is the big one over in Perth at Optus Stadium. It's looking like it might be a sellout. Fremantle v Collingwood. Do either team bounce back strongly? Well, I think it's going to be an interesting week for Collingwood because because of the nerves factor. You know, they've had to play the... You know, well, they've had the honour of playing the first match of the round in front of 20,000 people. And they don't kind of get a reprieve this week with a with a game on a, on a, on a, in a smaller spectacle. They've got to go and play in front of 50,000 people, which is something far beyond what any of those players would have experienced. So that's a bit hard. Um, so I hope they're, you know, putting together some strategies to just get through that and forget what's the, the, the sound that's around them and what's happening around them and just really... Um, now their game plan, now all their skills, take their opportunities. You know, they've, they've got a really dangerous forward line and we didn't see that last week because um, they just weren't getting the opportunities. You could argue, though, that they have played in front. They have already experienced playing in front of a very loud, yeah, yeah. very big true. crowd um, where Frio, Frio won't have. Um, It'll be very one-sided, though. This is the other oh, thing. yeah, that's a good point. Be very much in Frio's favour. Oh, yeah, if Collingwood kicks a goal, it'd be pin drop. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, you yeah. talked about upsides to Carlton. I think Collingwood have a huge upside. Um, but, oh, yeah, so do Freo. I just think Collingwood's forward line is is going to fire at some point, and, and I reckon... I just want them to play their forwards in the forward line. Oh, yeah, I want Mo in the goal square, you know. Yeah. Play to her strength. Isolate her mm. in the forward line. Yeah. What what are they doing? Yeah, stop making forcing her she's to have a, to go she's up not and take a midfielder. Uh, yeah, taking overhead hit up marks like no. get Jazzy up the ground, get her marking the ball, kicking it into Mo, or slotting it from fifty. She could do either. Yeah, mm. yeah. Darcy Darcy's gonna be an uh, big out for them. Yeah, but then Hutchie yeah. didn't play. She's yeah. apparently been training all preseason as forward. As a forward, so just bring her in. She can bloody kick the cover off it. Mm. Yeah, great kick. Last game of the round again, Sunday twilight game, Brisbane v Western Bulldogs up in Brizzy. This is going to be a good game. Mm. Oh, great game. Look, I think two of Queensland's most successful women's football products in Astor O'Connor and Katie Brennan are returning to their home state. And that just adds a, a lovely little element to this game, which I think is going to be really quite um I think it could be really high scoring and by high scoring I mean they kick over six goals but yep. not over 12 all right just, just calm down people <laughs> I genuinely I, I don't know I think if it's at Witten Oval I'm giving it to Bulldogs hands down obviously the home state they play the ground very well that being said, it was a tight game last year when they when they played each other um, at the same ground. Um, so I think it'll be a clash of two very different sort of game plans. We've seen the transformation of the Bulldogs. Their ball control um, is, is awesome. So let's see if they can execute it again away from home on a different ground with different pressure. So Brisbane, we've got frantic pressure, run on the outside, get the ball in quickly. Um, the dogs are now playing with a composed, hit up your targets, um, short leads, trust yourself by foot. So it's going to be a clash of two very different kinds of game plan. I don't know which one's going to come out on top, um, but I I might go with the Bulldogs. Who takes Sabrina Frederick Trollope? Uh, Lauren Spark. Watermark. Oh, Watermark. A mark. Oh, hang on. We, I can't believe we forgot to talk about this mark because it looks not that impressive. Oh, it's meh on footage. On TV, but she was going to die <laughs> and somehow mark the ball in between two Frio players. That and were it was barreling to it. Together. And if she didn't mark the ball, it was a goal. It, a certain goal. And we were – I was standing with you, Meg. We were in awe, disbelief. Mm. 
shock. Yeah. I might have said it's the greatest thing Sparky's ever done on a football field. I've only known Sparky's footy for a year. It was pretty good though. It was amazing, Mark. Look, where that spot on on um, that spot in the audience at Witten Oval was was spectacular because we got that that view of Lawrence Park's mark, but we also saw Tiana Ernst chase down a Frio oh, yeah. player like I don't know, was it Wiley Coyote or something? She's five meters behind, is running into goal, totally overtakes her, and then smacks into the goalpost. Didn't even feel didn't it. Didn't even feel it. Didn't blink. The goalpost is blah, 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 and she's just walking around like, yep. yep what was the yep. goalpost like? <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. There were some great moments in Doc that game. Doc did really well in defence, I thought. Mm. Okay, super last final thoughts. If you're not into women's footy, you don't have to watch it. Meg? My mum always told me if I didn't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> On that note. No, no, no. We can take some criticism, but have a think about it and what informs the things that you're seeing. Yep. And then listen to Julia. She makes everything logical <laughs> and right. And better. And better. Much better. We will see you next week. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, please get in touch at This AFL Life on Twitter and Instagram. But also swing by iTunes. Rate us. Give us a review. We had a very, very lovely review. <laughs> we were referred to as the Erin Phillips of podcasts. <laughs> and I'm going to take that. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.